On episode 234, I'm interviewing Peter Sminsky, Vice President of Catalog and Business Intelligence at Sony Music. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by HubUX. HubUX is a productivity tool for qualitative research. It creates a seamless workflow across your tools and team. Originally came up with the idea as I was listening to research professionals in both the quant and qual space complain about and and articulate the pain, I guess more succinctly, around managing qualitative research. The one big problem with qualitative is it's synchronous in nature, and it requires 100% of the attention of the respondent. This creates a big barrier and, I believe, a tremendous opportunity inside of the marketplace. So what we do is we take the tools that you use, we integrate them into a workflow so that ultimately you enter in your project details, that is, who it is that you want to talk to and when you want to talk to them, whether it's a focus group in person or virtual or IDIs or ethnos, and we connect you to those right people in the times that you want to have those conversations or connections. Push button qualitative insights. Hub UX, if you have any questions, reach out to me directly. I would appreciate it. Jamin at hubux.com. Hi, I'm Jamin, and you're listening to the Happy Market Research Podcast. My guest today is Piotr Shinsky, Vice President of Catalog and Business Intelligence at Sony Music. Established in 1929, Sony Music is among the big three recording companies, including Universal Music Group and Warner Music Group. Prior to joining Sony Music, Piotr served as head of insights for both SA. B. Miller, and Procter & Gamble. Piot, thanks for joining me on the Happy Market Research Podcast today. Thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit about where you grew up and what your parents did and how that has uh, informed what you're doing today. That's a a very interesting question. You know, I... I usually like to think that that I'm my own creation and I decide what what I do. But as a <laughs> as a researcher and a sociologist and psychologist, I, I know that context does have a major impact on what we are doing and who we grew up to be. Um, I, I was born and raised and, and spent most of my my, my formative years in uh, in Poland. And uh, my parents and my family definitely had an impact on, on where, where I ended up in life, uh, both in terms of, you know, professional and, 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 and personal um, development. My parents were and still are quite an odd couple. Um, my mom is quite well-educated, sophisticated, art-loving librarian. She, she studied art history, but ended up a school uh, librarian with really uh, high intellectual aspirations, and uh, and you can you can trace back my my love for literature and appreciation for knowledge uh, too high, clearly. Frankly speaking, I I, I was reading f- before I was walking, uh, which I don't know it, if it's a, a good testament for my walking uh, walking skills or my <laughs> reading skills, but but that was that was the actual actual truth. Um, and my father was very much uh, a physical guy. Uh, he was a former uh, soccer player, 
uh, I could say professional soccer player, but given that we that we grew up, uh, that we that we lived in in a communist country in Poland, the professional part wasn't really, you know, turning into any any benefits. Right. But uh, but but he played played football or, or, or how how is it called weirdly here soccer yep. uh, for a living, and then uh, then after retiring from 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 sports, um, uh, uh, he was a policeman. Um, and from him, him I picked up a, a couple of things. One uh, is definitely love for for sports, but uh, but I tried to be a little bit original. So so while he put me through all the all the uh, different types of sports activities, uh, uh, including soccer, of course, I I fell in love with with basketball, which was the only sport that he wasn't good at. Uh, so I wanted <laughs> to be a little a little bit more. Uh, original and and apart from you know the sports activities, I think I think what what I pick up from him is is is, is blue collar work ethics uh, and appreciation of of competition, a challenge, and and really putting your your best uh, uh, best effort. But frankly speaking, what, what I think more impacted me in life was uh, rather than what they were what they did was who they were. My family was uh, was struck by by quite a difficult difficult challenge, just about when I was born. Uh, my sister was uh, who was free at the time was diagnosed with cancer, with bone cancer. She she barely survived, and and the the life of our family was very much centered around first making sure that she survives, and then that her life here has as, as good quality as um, as possible. She uh, she. Definitely is the, the most inspirational figure in my life. She not only you know survived uh, survived the, 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 this, this horrible horrible um, illness, uh, going through more than twenty surgeries that were first life saving and then um, then then also trying to improve her quality of life. You know she survived, but um, um, it, it dramatically impacted her quality of, of life. She. She lost an eye. Uh, she had a very invasive type of treatment that uh, that left her uh, disfigured and uh, and and very vulnerable to um, to any infections and and, and struggling uh, halfways with life, but thriving in everything else. She 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 became a, a, an excellent lawyer. She she's actually one of the youngest uh, judges uh, in Poland ever ever getting um, becoming a judge uh, with a lifetime nomination from a, from a president of the country and, and really my life uh, inspiration so I, I'm sure that that impacted my my life choices uh, uh, as well one one impact was that that despite I apart from psychology and sociology I studied law but I decided not to become a lawyer. Because, because I didn't want to compete with her. I, I knew that <laughs> I, I never had the chance to 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 be to be as good as as her. So 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 I I didn't want to create that that competition for her. It was a life mission for me. Was one of the options, um, but in, you know it also it also uh, taught me to 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 never put myself in the first place. You know, I, my family this life was around. You know what we had to deal with. Uh, so it was a very, I think, a, a humbling and a, a, and, and, and a good experience that brought me to really appreciating the, the servitude type of leadership uh, in, in, in life and, and work, trying to be useful and thinking about how I can make others' life better rather than being obsessed with my own you know, challenges. 
because you know when 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 you see someone overcoming challenges that I can despite being close cannot fully comprehend it's very very easy to 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 not focus on on some small you know issues and tribulations that you may go be going through you know you, you really don't have an excuse not to achieve things in life no, no you, you don't have a you, you don't have an excuse for complaining when you see someone overcoming so much more than than you on a daily basis you know? so i'm really interested in as a as a father understanding you know your parents they came obviously from i mean i'm saying obvious from my vantage point librarians aren't uh, you don't go into that field because it's uh, pays a lot of money and similarly, you know, professional football player, um, again, especially in that context and that time in that place wasn't, you know, just a big wealth machine. What do you attribute the success? I mean, you've held very senior jobs at top at today's top brands, uh, and your sister, obviously with all that she's overcome and then on top of it with her success, what do you attribute? Like, what does your parents do? that the rest of us can help hope to emulate in um, raising you and your sister. I have in mind that your podcast is, is called uh, a happy market research. So, so I don't want, <laughs> so I don't want to go too dark because my parents are wonderful people and, and that loves me and my sister unconditionally. And, and knowing that was, was, was something that definitely, you know, impacted me positively, but our life wasn't easy. And, uh, and, you know, I wouldn't apply happy to that. And I don't necessarily have advice of what to do based on how, my parents raised me. My mom is struggling with mental illness. My my father is is an alcoholic, so I don't necessarily would, would drive much of of uh, of their behaviors and their, 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 as an inspiration for how, for how to raise raise kids. They they try to did their best. I always knew that they loved me, but my life lessons was rather you know uh, f- formed through overcoming things that, that my family had to had to deal with and and because of the challenges with with my parents specifically you know from a from a young age I was trying to understand people's motivations and and their behaviors which you know you can draw very very straight line to to, to be becoming sociology psychologists and then focusing on understanding of, of, of human behavior uh, which probably at the early stages was was a, was a survival mechanism, and I wanted to understand what what was going on around me and what to expect from my parents, from my family, and dealing with uh, that environment. You wanted to understand why people behave the way they do, and try to get a heads up by understanding the patterns and the expectations uh, uh, around it. Super interesting. I think you know the framework of happy can't really just be cast in all happy, right? I mean, yeah. there's a contrast that's necessary. And, and I really think it's a, you know, like understanding black and white, for example, from a color, you know, you need that contrast in order to really understand all the spaces in between as well. And the more absolute either end of that is, the better you can understand the other other point of view. Um, but yeah, no, I, I've heard that a lot, actually, from people that have had to undergo you know, tremendous adversity in life early on and then subsequently kind of navigate that successfully, that that actually is the, um, you know, one of the keys to their overall life success and, and, you know, later, whether it's financial success or, you know, career success and, and subsequently, you know, their overall happiness levels. But, you know, thanks for sharing that. So kind of switching gears a little bit, but not very much. 
What do you see as one of the biggest challenges that you have overcome either personally or professionally? There is a couple of that, that I could pick from, uh, but I think you know all of us have have the challenges that we need to overcome to to to, to be who um, who we who we who we are. And I don't think that you know I really overcame anything, but but there are things that that I, I had to and still have to deal with that that impact um, uh, who I am um, also 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 professionally. You know, one one aspect of my life is you know. Um, I, I mentioned about my family situation, my, 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 the, the, the illness that my, my, my sister does with. Unfortunately, I, I also have, uh, have quite severe health issues. I, I'm dealing with, a, uh, I was born with a genetic disorder that, uh, that um, causes morbid obesity. Uh, and my whole life I had to, I had to deal with. So I'm, uh, um, I'm right now doing well, but it requires a, a tons of effort. It, it requires really extremely strict uh, and always evolving uh, diet and, and massive amount of exercise. Right now, I'm, I'm, I'm probably working out around three hours every day. So this is something that needs to, you know, either you have to accommodate toward your, your, your lifestyle and still, you know, be able to work 10 hours a day and still put, put the workout uh, in. So that definitely, you know, why, why it's not a, it's not a, a thing that, that anyone would choose to, but it definitely teaches you discipline, organization, you know, uh, and, and make you stronger willed because you, you, you cannot really, Sleep up. You have to. You have to um, work on yourself, not only from the intellectual perspective, but also, um, also physically. The other, the other thing that that I wouldn't say that I overcame, but this is unfortunately something that 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 that, that I, I had to live through. Um, three years ago, my my wife uh, passed after after uh, quite a quite a long period of of of, of illness, and you know that that. That dramatically impacted my my life, destroying everything that I that I built and uh, and forced me to 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 reevaluate everything and and you know go through the whole grieving process that I don't think will ever really be over. But but you know right now, three years later, I can I can say that I maybe not overcame it, but I survived. I'm still still here, and I'm still finding a way to be useful in life and uh, and find some some uh, some resemblance of of joy and uh, and happiness. So uh, that's 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 that's. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's overcoming challenges. It's more 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 the circumstances that you that you deal with that that impact who you are and what you do. I appreciate you sharing that. I have only uh uh almost cried on one other podcast so <laughs> it's a it's the emotional um devastation the wake that that could leave i can only imagine uh in you know in your life but the but then thinking about like you said the kind of the recovery process um kind of from that it's, it feels to me like that would be something that would just be kind of with you forever. I had a similar instance with a child, actually. And, um, you know, that going through that, you, uh, you know, it just becomes part of who you are, you know, and it kind of you wake up to it and you go to sleep to it. And it's just like the on. But over time, it I wouldn't say that it like 
diminishes, but I'd say it just becomes a, it just becomes part of the fabric of our of our beings. It it changes. Um, it changes. It changes you, and it, it changes over time. Like like you you you're, you're saying, it doesn't it doesn't disappear. It doesn't diminish. But it, you know, it is with you in a in a in a, in a different different way. I would say forever. I expect. One of the things that I've adopted since that that dark time is this. I try to take mental pictures. You know, so you know my and everyone's memory is fleeting. I think we only actually see or then subsequently retain a very small fraction of uh, what's going on, you know, around us or in our field of vision. So, you know, you ha I'll have these moments in my life with my family or people that mean something to me, friends. And um, I just try to like pause and take a mental picture knowing that and just kind of be completely present in that particular moment, knowing that I'll and not feeling bad about the fact that I'll probably forget about it, you know, minutes later or whatever. Um, and then that, that kind of helps cement for me, this grounding of, and just making sure that I'm completely right there at that particular point that seems probably trivial or not important, but you know, might be a moment when like my child will grab my hand or something and lead me someplace or, or what have you. I'm, I'm really, really sorry that, that, that you have to, deal with that and I, I, I can I can talk, relate to to, to to using those those me mental pictures to because definitely you know what 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 I am able now more than 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 ever is to to appreciate the you know the the nature of time and how everything can can disappear and how how big of an importance is to be able to to be in a moment, appreciate that 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 moment, and appreciate the, the beautiful moments that all of us experience, and often we don't have enough distance to appreciate that. You know, mm. we often we often focus on the negatives. We often focus on things that are not perfect, um, and we don't always uh, always are able to fully enjoy uh, enjoy the great things that we have when when they are happening. So being in the moment is definitely something that that I'm trying to trying to uh, to do so as you articulated happy market research we covered happy i think uh yes. market research <laughs> market research is the other side of it tell me about the market research project you're most proud of uh, the, the too many too many really it's like like choosing your your favorite child the the, the too many of them so <laughs> i will try to try to a little bit bundle them 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 up um, the, the, the research projects that usually give me the, the greatest satisfaction and joy um, um, are the, the, the big foundational, usually segmentation studies. And I, and I was I was blessed enough working in, in, in multiple companies um, on a global level to, to do segmentation and big foundational uh, consumer understanding studies across different different categories. Uh, and, and each of them, apart from you know being able to, to fully understand the category of products and the, and the big groups of, of consumers, how they interact with with the category, what they think, what they want, um, uh, what they think about, uh, it always brings some 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 insights with a capital I, things that you wouldn't 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 uh, expect. So each of those projects brought something uh, something like that for me. One one that that right now stands stands in my my, my mind. Was uh, when when I worked for Procter Gamble, I was one of the first first people in Procter Gamble that worked with um, with Gillette brands after the the acquisition of or merger with uh, with Gillette. And on top of 
heading the the the, the consumer market knowledge department in in, in Central Europe, I, I had the global responsibility for Brown. The study that I run uh, was. Uh, had a, had a regional regional um, scope and focused on kitchen appliances. Brown is an inventor of, of, of hand blenders, and and I had the pleasure to to, to work on the on the cooking side uh, related to kitchen appliances with studies done across the region. So so I uh, I talked, uh, interview, and, and run the, the big quantitative study in in Poland, Russia. Turkey uh, and Middle East in in Saudi Arabia and um, and uh, United Arab Emirates and especially the last part was was, was really eye opening. First, you know, it was the first time that I really had to deal with the with such a big uh, cultural differences that impacted the, the the research technology. You know, because the the first very simple thing is I could never in Saudi Arabia I could never meet in person uh, or, or or even see on video. Um, the women that I would interview, because that was illegal. Um, so I had to I had to conduct a lot of a lot of the work, especially the qualitative work, uh, over the phone, uh, using the translators and having this you know o- trying to overcome that that that, that distance. But what ha- what helped me to to get closer to the to the consumers despite those, those restrictions in in United Arab Emirates, especially in Dubai. The norms, while the culture was similar, the norms were not as strict. So I was able to actually live in the house with the with the consumers, interact with them using the translator and, and with some with some boundaries and of course with with a huge dose of, of, of respect for their, their, their privacy. But I was able to become for 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 a couple of days a part of the household and and, and you know interact and part, be, become a part of uh, of the. Cooking, food preparation, and then everything that was related to category, but that was core to that 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 family's uh, lives, and things that 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 really, really, really changed my way of thinking about the products and the and the brands that I've learned learned from. They were really, really um, amazing at the beginning. I and, and being in the house actually, and being able to observe for, was a, was a major major game changer because some of the things you couldn't really really comprehend if you would just read from it from 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 the quantitative reports. One of the one of the most interesting things were um, were habits related to to cooking during uh, during Ramadan when the family would cook for for a lot of other people for the for the need, need, needy pe- pe- people um, uh, poor people from the uh, from the neighborhood, and they were basically putting up the feast. So I was trying to figure it out what is the role of the hand blender of the cooking appliances in this in this context. And the first big thing was that the the average householder had multiple uh, house servants, had multiple maids. So the whole aspect of of uh, electrical equipment making cooking more convenient wasn't critical. Because when you had, you know, five, ten, sometimes fifteen people helping you with cooking, you know, the benefit of having a, 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 a right. hand blender wasn't 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 as big. But one of the one of the funniest things that that happened, I, I I really thought that we had a translation issue because when I was talking asking about the the, the appliances that they were using, I kept hearing about the concrete mixer or a cement mixer, which I was. Pretty sure that it was a challenge of the translator not really speaking English well enough. 
because you know we were talking about cooking and pre- food preparation. Sure. She was coming back with this uh, with the cement mixer, uh, which was construction <laughs> equipment, placing <laughs> yeah. that. And then finally, they were annoyed with me not trying, not not being able to understand. They showed me how they were mincing meat, and it was actually a construction site, <laughs> big uh, cement mixer, <laughs> uh, a very nice one. You know, very you know silver plated, really really nice one, but but yes, co- when you are cooking for 40 people, you don't use a hand blender. You use a shovel, <laughs> you use a shovel and a, and a cement mixer to mi- 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 mix your meat. So I, I quickly oh. understood that, that <laughs> while, while, while money was not an issue to spend on a blender, you know, the, the functionality of it wasn't really, really there. But, but it, also understanding other aspects of of, of, a, of a regular life of, of, of how we called it at the time in, in Procter & Gamble, female head of household, showed us the opportunity to still find the place for the brand in, in consumers' lives. Uh, the women in Saudi Arabia and to be extended in the United Arab Emirates would spend most of their time at home on the phone with their friends watching TV. Because, you know, in Saudi Arabia, they, they couldn't drive, they wouldn't work. So it's really, you know, you, you basically, and you, you, you couldn't always visit other, other people, your friends and family. So a lot of that would be watching TV for 10, 12 hours a day and talking on the phone. And very often, you know, you, 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 the, the subjects of your conversations are around what you are watching. And some of the most popular shows were the cooking shows. And the conversations were very often focused about, about that. The interesting thing was, you know, very often the commentaries of, um, uh, of those women were around the presenters of the show, the, the chefs. Uh, also in the context of their attractiveness, which was quite quite a weird thing because right. often they were, you know, 50-year-old, uh, overweight, mustache, not very attractive men. But these were the <laughs> men that they, they looked at uh, and those men were, were talk, cooking and showing their, their passion with the food. They were, you know, the, the, the Middle Eastern versions of, uh-huh. of Jamie of Oliver or Barefoot Contessa. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> So what we ended up, I'm, I'm cutting the long story <laughs> a little bit short, but we ended up is understanding that if we put our products in that context, we can create the emotional bond with through the brand. So even if the product was not a necessity for them, because, you know, you could still cut, cut and, and not always the best application for that, you could definitely find a role of the brown brand in the life if you if you would find a, a way to the to the household through, through the cooking show, which led me to another the challenge because you know the, the best the best partnership that we could come up with uh, was with, uh, with 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 one of the most popular chefs in the region and i had quite a quite a big challenge to convince my my bosses in cincinnati uh, to to invest uh, thousands of, of dollars for a partnership with uh, chef osama um, uh, after 9-11 so you know right. Osama is a popular name in, in, in the region nothing wrong with that but but I remember presenting the slides and, and, and convincing convincing PNG that that we should partner with with with, with, with chef Osama um, was was a difficult task but but we did right but we did and and we found this way of, of, of moving away from a product which for, 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 for a company like Brown that is really proud of the engineering and design 
part, but really working on a, on a brand level and, you know, using communication and emotional connection and connection with image of the product and, uh, and the endorser rather than going on the product side, you know, was, was, was quite an, quite an interesting thing. And those type of, those type of projects where, where you, you, you go beyond the product itself and you understand the emotional connection and the place in life that the brand can play usually, uh, usually were the ones that, that, that they took the most uh, and, and had the most satisfaction with. Similar, similarly, on another segmentation project also for, for Procter & Gamble at this, at this stage on fabric softness, uh, I also went on a journey that, that, that showed me this dual aspect of the offering that you have for the consumer, that the product and the brand and the emotional and, and the com- emotional connection versus, versus physical usefulness are two different things often, often very, very connected. On the fabric softness, the major, the major discovery that, 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 that I had came through observing the shoppers uh, making a purchase at the store. One of the one of the most surprising things that uh, the, 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 that we observed was that that people buying the fabric softener very often would uh, would um, uh, would smell would sniff the product itself. And at this stage, the, the 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 scent of the product had nothing to do with the scent of the clothes after washing. So the scent was just you know it, it, we we only make sure that the product doesn't smell bad, but it it had no. No, it, it makes no sense for us as the producers <laughs> that someone would choose right. a product based on how how the formulation smells, while the scent of the, on the clothes would be very very different. But that led us to to go by going deeper and deeper. We understood that for uh, in, that one of the big need states in this category, especially in the developing countries, where uh, women didn't necessarily have money to buy to invest in perfumes in in things that were you know that in 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 higher level cosmetics this this basic fa- fabric softener product uh, was treated as a perfume of the laundry world uh, so so they 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 were buying those products to 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 help their family with something functional but they were also engaging with this category more on a beauty level. And, you know, after, after a long elaboration, understanding how it really, how it really works, we, we, we make a big revolution in the category and develop the whole, whole new lineup with, uh, with, with fabric softness that were focused not on the softness of the, uh, of, the, of the product and not on the family aspect of it, but really going into the higher world of perfumes and, and the indulgence. Which we, we we never expected to have, and that changed the category for forever. Now, when you go, you will see into 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 the store. You will see that you have still, you know, family-focused, softness-related, um, very functional functional communication products. But you will also have this highly indulgent, beautiful products that we would advertise later on in in fashion magazines because it was the the perfumes for the clothes uh, and the emotional connection of a very different 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 kind i love both of those examples they're so like visceral and tangible and such a great example of how you it can be really hard to decode uh, the insights if you're just reading a transcript versus yeah. the experience of in you know in home ethnography when you think about the last five years there's been a a, a, a material migration from traditional like in-home or idea in-person in-depth interviews and focus groups to more digital based research 
Um, how, I mean, is that a trend? One, is that actually a trend that you're seeing? Uh, and, and cause I can't actually quantify it except that I can have, see the SMR report on the amount of money that's being spent in the digital space. Um, and then the second part is, you know, what other trends are, you know, what, what else have you been seeing in the space, um, that's been changing and, and, um, if you look forward, how are you, you know, where do you see, you know, us as researchers spending more and more time? Uh, I, I will approach it from from a little bit different angle, not not necessarily from what I always observe, or, but where I believe it is it it should be going. Uh, I, I strongly believe that the consumer insights and, and and market research is it is a tool for making better business decision based on understanding three things: how people, consumers, customers, shoppers, audience, whoever it is in in, in a specific category, how they feel, think and what they do. Uh, and all the methodological aspects of it are about best understanding how they feel, think, um, uh, and do. I think in, historically we were, we were talking about thinking, feeling, and, and, and doing. Probably, you know, right now um, with better understanding of system one and two and uh, and the, the whole neurology of, of, of the decision-making, we probably should start with doing, then feeling, and last thinking. But all those three aspects need to be captured in a, in a, in a, in a proper in a proper way. And I think where we are going sometimes slower than I would expect is that um, that there are different ways of capturing that best. Um, so the feeling and everything that is that is unconscious, some feelings are conscious, some, feel, some feelings are, are not, but everything that is unconscious should be should be measured. It shouldn't be really asked about. It should be measured. It, it's difficult to observe it, but it's it, that the measurement comes into play. So that's the whole world of of neuroscience. That's that I think we are starting to be in a place that that it stops being treated as a uh, as a voodoo solution. Uh, there there were some things that 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 you could you could easily question. There are some that are tried and true, and not anymore. Uh, considered as a as a um, aberration, but but they're, they're proper scientific tools. So you can go into into the understanding of the of people's feelings, either by asking them when 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 the feelings are conscious and and, and easy to um, to verbalize, or or by by, by measurement. In terms of doing, what you want to do is is rather observe. Uh, you don't really want to want to want to ask, and and technology gives us the opportunity right now um, uh, with digitalization of, of of a lot of processes and often the consumption and and communication and purchase um, um, leaves the digital trace. So a lot of that you could you could you could you could observe either in a digital way or or in person, uh, and and then you have the whole asking aspect when you still can ask about what people think if they are conscious about the about about the their, their thinking so so in today's world you have those those those, those three three aspects that you need to you need to measure and you have the whole 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 toolbox of of measurement uh, observational um, uh, techniques where Big data comes into place more um, uh, more and more and you still have um, uh, have um, the role for for qualitative quantitative uh, quantitative research but i think the, the the biggest change comes through market research being being part of the inside toolbox versus being the being the goal uh, on its own there is still a role for 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 
for, for, for market research in expl explanation of why, but the ability to, to, to dig into a huge amount of behavior, observational, digital data and big data uh, change the name of the game. Now, if right now I would uh, I, I would give an advice to to, to young people uh, joining the joining the, the the industry, I would I would advise them to to focus more on on the SQL than on the questionnaire building. It's more about about questioning data than questioning people anymore, or in different way, which you know sounds quite quite negative, especially for for, for old school researchers like myself. But actually, is a is a very positive thing that you can focus a lot more on what you are getting out of the data and a lot less uh, on how to make the data available because the data becomes available a lot more. So uh, eight and 80, 90, 95% of cases, uh, you don't really need a, need, a, need a dedicated market research. You can properly draw the conclusion based on the data that, that is generated. And then this additional 5-10% of smart market research, applying the proper questioning when it's, when, it's, when it's a conscious thing that people actually can talk about, uh, but also applying the co-creation techniques and, uh, and all of that that, that, that create a, a better engagement with respondents and, and, and consumers. Um, those two elements together can, can provide a, 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 holistic, a, a holistic, um, holistic picture. The other part that changes um, from a different angle, I don't think it's necessary from the from from the perspective of of of, the, the, of, of uh, um, quality of the data, but more from the perspective of the role of the researcher in the process is all the uh, do-it-yourself tools that are becoming uh, available. Which, once again, you could feel threatened by it, but I actually believe that it's it's a wonderful wonderful um, uh, development. That once again. Moves away from the from the from the burden of of spending most of the money and time of, of the inside people on generating the data and and creating more space for for consumer connection and empathy and drawing the right conclusions and influencing the right uh, the right business uh, business decision. So I think that's that started a, a long time ago, but 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 this move from being market researcher and then later an insight person focused on market research into being a decision insightful decision influencer based on 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 data that explains how consumers feel, think, and do is is something that's happening. What 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 I'm still surprised is that that there is still silo thinking and 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 those roles often are separated. You still have analysts that work with with a data without often having the proper understanding of how how the data represent uh, consumer needs, attitudes, and behaviors. And then you have market researchers that, that, that sometimes, you know, they think that if they didn't create the data, if the data didn't start from, 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 a, from a questionnaire or a, or, or a qualitative interview, it's not their job to, 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 to leverage it, uh, it fully. So I think that's, that's where the future, uh, and, and it's already happening today, that that will be merged, that you will not care that much about where the data is coming from um, and what, what tools brought them to you. It will be more about integrating the data, analyzing it properly, and drawing the, the right business, uh, business um, um, conclusions uh, and, and, and having the right business impact with consumer being the center of an explanation of what they want, what they do, uh, and how, 
how the company is offering can impact that. Uh, that's 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 where the future future lies. It's an interesting point you're making. You know, the the current org structure of most corporations that I've been exposed to actually has you know market research as a specific function that usually sits outside of the business units, and then you have like UX that is sitting alongside product. And you have uh, whether it's you know data, in data science, which is I think the number one job right yeah. now, and that that usually sits inside of like the R and D side of the business. And there isn't like on the Venn diagram, there really isn't any corporate like it isn't a matrix structure where the market research can help inform in the market researcher, or excuse me, can help inform best practices for you know the types of work. Um, that the UX is doing or, you know, potentially the why of the big data analysts. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting kind of how it's all kind of evolving organically outside of these, these functions inside of the business, but it's not necessarily coming at all from market research. It's, it's not necessarily the case. And this is one of the, one of the biggest, biggest challenges because, you know, it's, it's dangerous for both for the, for the market research uh, uh, and for the companies. You know, if you, if you, if you don't go with the, with the smart organization integration, it's, it's really, really difficult. I, I'm right now in, a, in an interesting position because uh, in my role, um, I'm my own client. The way I'm trying to, to, to explain usually how my realm works with, uh, with being the head of catalog and business intelligence and audience insights at the same, same time, uh, I have the opportunity to, to work on both sides. The catalog is the business unit. So I'm on this side, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a startup type of operation when the business intelligence provi- provides the think tank part of the operation. So it's a think tank plus startup. On the think tank side, on the business intelligence and insights, we really understand the audiences and our, our consumers. We develop the solution and strategy. And then I switch to my second hat and I apply it to the catalog business. So I'm actually my, you know, my, my own best client. Uh, and then after we execute, it goes back to the think tank. We evaluate what worked, what didn't work, what we could do, do better, and we do rinse and repeat. Um, so that's, that, that's an experimental type of, type of structure. One of the ways of overcoming the, um, you know, the, the challenge. So everything that is, you know, data and strategy related is, is it, it sits together, but we also have not full integration with the business, but we have a part of the business that the company feels uh, feels comfortable with experimenting with, which is, you know, in, in music industry catalog, it's the music that was released at least 18, 18 months ago. So it's the music that it's not under so much pressure for the daily performance. It's not the music that you see on the, on the charts necessarily. So we have a little bit of more leeway of of uh, being more strategic in what we are doing and also allowing ourselves a little bit more of failure because which is you know a necessary part of part of innovation i'm not saying this is the this is the, the necessary the organizational type of solution that i would imply uh, apply broadly I, i'm bringing that up because it's it's really necessary for the companies to experiment and and, and figure it out how you integrate um, integrate uh, data and usage of the data and how you create the proper interfaces that it impact the, the business because in most of the cases I see this disconnect and 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 the industry is divided as well it's not only within the companies it's also with within the the, the, the industry the conversations that are between the data people the data scientists business 
analytics and the conversation that the market researchers have are are very different. You you and me we, we met on the on the conference in Cincinnati recently, and I was quite surprised after after having a little bit of break of, of participating in the in the insights and, and research conferences how different those conversations are versus the the data uh, data focused yeah. conferences it's it's almost like like two different words and one is not better than the other but but both are are, are half blind and the differences between the, those, those 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 conversations the subjects the, the challenges that those groups see the little overlap that there is is, is quite shocking for me uh, I understand where it's coming from, but I would expect that at this stage we would already move past that, that we would already figure it out a little bit more how the consumer-centric data-driven organization can deal with different data sources, the integration and, and making that that useful with people with different profiles uh, working 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 together. Right now also, you know, from the capabilities and capacity perspective, it's, it's very divided. You have people that are good with data, um, are they data curation or data analytics, but they, they, they lack the, the psychological aspect and ability to, to, to link the data back with the, with the consumer uh, behavior and, and have no consumer empathy or, or limited one. And then you have market researchers that, that are great psychologists, but, but they, they got terrified when they have to, have to leverage the data with you know, 100,000 or 100 million records uh, and SQL is not part of their skill set. So, you know, way of bridging that and, uh, you know, the, the new the new insider that will come, that should come <laughs> to, to be able to, to, to deal in this in this complex but extremely exciting world is, is, is something that I really look forward and, and in organizations that I work for try to try to build and and, and, uh, and develop because the opportunity was never bigger to impact the business uh, leveraging that that unprecedented amount of amount of consumer related related data but the hurdles that we create on our own either because we are scared to learn new things or the organizations are um, are not yet capable of of overcoming you know the, the silo structures and and, and disconnect uh, internally it's 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 surprising how 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 far we are from 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 making reasonable adjustments, I would say. Yeah, I was just in uh, last week. I was in Las Vegas doing on-site interviews with um, Predictive Analytics World, which is a large conference, and it encompasses predominantly like big data that is used to drive outsized oppor- opportunities through just ongoing informing, right? So uh, the business, and so you know, it's all about advanced. Uh, analytics, like you said, SQL, Python, R, etc., and and it was interesting to me to see the, in my opinion, the void of mark or consumer-based data, uh, market research specifically, uh, you know, being present in that in that yeah. ecosystem. I mean, even even to the point of like vendors that you saw and that I saw exhibit at in Cincinnati, like they could have been selling directly into this audience, I believe. Absolutely. But you know, it's just like, it's just funny how there's this like separation of, we see it as almost a church and state scenario. And I don't exactly understand, maybe it has to do with their origin stories, but you know, why that chasm exists. I, I, I think you're 100% right. And I think it is about about the, the, the genesis of, of different functions, different companies. And, you know, it's not, 
it's it, it doesn't is doesn't respond to the to the challenges of the day and it's not functional you know for me good example is where still social listening is which for me it's a it's a it's a basic and core market research tool and usually it's right. not it's not the way it is, right. being, it is being perceived. It is, you know, it's often hijacked by uh, customer satisfaction people. It's sometimes uh, hijacked by the IT people. It's sometimes owned by the PR people that use it for the reputational uh, things. It's often, you know, the, the main purpose of social listening is to have a nice dashboard uh, and do it on the effectiveness yeah. <laughs> level. And usually the, the social listening as a research tool either doesn't come at all or come as a last resort. And it is coming because the tool is not, the origin of the tool is not market research. When you look at it, this is, you know, this is a market research dream come true that instead of asking questions, people just talk to you and you only have to listen. You know, uh, for me, this this is the tool that I used every day. I couldn't imagine any researcher to to, to, to not, not use it, but, very often that's not that's not not the case very often it is plugged and played to to other other functions you know there there is a, a, a customer service people that you know that pick up of on, on on unsatisfied customers you have pr people that want to avoid the crisis situation you have you have the sales people that you know use it for for for, for leads uh, and and you have analytics with nice dashboarding and occasionally, some market researcher will dub into it. Well, we should own that because the data curation that we are skilled, the ability to understand of of how how to listen to consumers, which is exactly what we are doing, is is critical for for leveraging that the 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 tool. But you have this, you know, the technology is great on its own, but but it's only fully leveraged when it's applied properly with someone that knows how to how to use it. And there's a gap yeah. on both sides. We don't, as researchers, not necessarily know how to do it, so we don't claim the ownership, and then other functions do not know the, the extra benefit that it would bring, so it lies somewhere in, in the middle. It's really interesting. So, like, even, even down to, like, the name of the show, Happy Market Research Podcast. So... I've been in a spot recently where I'm I'm getting invited to other events that are in UX. In um, uh, in fact, I was presenting at Facebook about a month ago, and um, the majority of the audience, a couple hundred people there, were UX professionals, user experience researchers, and not market researchers. Actually, the number of market researchers was relatively small, and 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 so you know this. I'm thinking about like, you know, how do I more correctly name the show based on who I believe the listenership is, which is trending more and more towards um, this larger audience that is outside of, you know, where I have traditionally lived in market research. And I'm having a hard time figuring out what the right name is, because as soon as I say, you know, user experience researchers, now I've all of a sudden like cut off yeah. <laughs> the other piece. It's, 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 it's very difficult. I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm grad- gradually moving into always, you know, using using insights and analytics as 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 a, as a descriptor, and always, you know, trying to bringing back that this is about about the comprehensive understanding of of, of consumers, users, audiences, uh, shoppers, customers, whoever is your your your. B two <laughs> um, uh, targeted at uh, because yeah. you know. 
labeling it from the from the data origin source is it's it's just perpetuating the issues that we are <laughs> that we are trying to tackle. You right. know? The more we and, and, and you you have you really you know sometimes very 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 polarizing reactions because you know you, you, uh, you I've already met business partners that that wouldn't like to listen about market research at all because uh, because they consider market research uh, uh, not credible compared to the behavior data that they, they, are, they are getting from their systems. And the other way around, that, that you have more traditional marketeers that are used to consuming market research, they don't want to um, um, use the, 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 the other types of types of uh, data to, because they are not, they don't feel comfortable when they don't necessarily understand where the data is coming from. <laughs> from uh, right. and you have you know the whole challenge of of, of and we often talk talk about that probably I, I think more more often than we should about all the all the farms and and bots and that that affect both worlds that both that affect both market research and uh, and the data that we pull from from social media or from different types of of, of digital digital platforms. So if, if we don't you know turn it around and we focus on the on on what is the end product which is which is which is i i i strongly believe about um about insights uh, and analytics that explain uh that explain your customer whatever whatever you call you call them um and using the the analytical expertise and uh, and uh, to, to to draw those 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 insights if we don't start to refer to that we will always struggle with with you know this this old school where your data came from uh, type of labeling right yeah totally i mean it's almost like i need to come up with a a brand like Switzerland, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. So you have this like framework of like we can all talk about data-driven insights uh, or business uh, uh, decisions that are driven by insights, and you know you think about like a pie chart and consumer data plays a piece in that. If you want a comprehensive point of view, as does um, uh, data analytics and uh, user experience and so on and so forth. So, anyways, it's a Maybe I should throw it up to the audience on how it should get renamed. I don't know, but uh, I got to figure that part out. I like your I like your idea of um, analytics and and um, insights. But so when you when you kind of fast forward the space in three to five years, how how are we going to be different? I, I really I really hope that we'll address some of some some of those those, those challenges. So I, I believe you know one 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 big change will be that that um, more people in the organization will be empowered uh, and provided with the tools to 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 use the data on the analytics side. You know the tailored med- dashboards that will pull out the data so that people can consume it a lot more directly without. That much of interface and tailor-made solutions coming from the from from the from the market researcher or or, or, or analyst and do-it-yourself research tools that that will be that will be available for for anyone on the organization. So this is you know this is the part of my plan is to make myself <laughs> myself replaceable as much as possible so that that you know that you create those tools and and give power to the people. I really you know believe that that truth will make you free <laughs> and uh, the more access to the to, to 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 the data and insights directly to to people will be and technology already makes it makes it reasonably easy so we don't have to be the gatekeepers that we have to be we, we, we can be those those enablers so that that will that will create create a space um uh, for 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 the 
insights experts to be to be more on the strategic level uh, and, and and be able to 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 you know to swim in those those massive data lakes um, uh, to discover things that that to ask the questions that wouldn't be asked or were not were not uh, were not um, um, asked so that, that's that, that's the part that is that is that is that is exciting for me that that, um, that the data scientists will help us to to to, to create the data integration uh, and really the advantage that that uh, that will lie either in specific people in the organization the organization themselves will be about asking the right questions and and getting the right answers for those questions rather than having the having the data having the access and and uh, and uh, you know and over uh, over competing on on the on the spend of data acquisition or or, or research itself because it's always been been like that, but we had limitations because usually in the in the past, if we wanted to learn something, we, we had to literally go out and ask about it. There will be less and less uh, uh, less of it. I'm 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 not that focused on on you know on on, on trying to, to to figure it out how much you 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 should you know you should spend on on. Um, Online focus groups versus versus personal focus groups. I I strongly believe that the that the consumer empathy will will uh, will consumer connection empathy and and the personal react interaction will be uh, will be important um, uh, in the future as well. And we'll have to find the ways to do it. You know, to find the compromise between being over reliant in technology in, 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 in that but also not not trying to to force everyone in the organization like like I used to in the in my old PNG times you know literally spend days and sleep at consumers house because you don't always need that but you have to have this 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 well-developed empathy so so when you when you are interacting with the big data you can you can use that to create a, a, a realistic portrait of the of the audience or consumers that that that, that you want to that you want to address um, but yeah I, I think also you know this the switch of us as being the reports creators and, and and the developers of insights and the gatekeepers to the knowledge versus uh, versus creators of the tools and 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 being the source of empowerment of everyone interacting with the same data in a very uh, very very easy way. I think that's 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 we that's where we are going, and 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 that is achievable within 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 five years to to see a very different different picture and very different role of of data in the organization how it is being used. I I really like that framework. I think that I think that's spot on and is like you said not just aspirational it's definitely that but it is something that we we can change and i i think the the framework different of difference of being the gatekeepers which we historically have been as market researchers to being the enablers that is that is such a different and i think also very important point of view for modern modern businesses that are going to uh incorporate consumer voice in you know their in their disciplines so my last question is what is your personal motto that's a that's a good one uh, uh, I, I'm afraid I, I for, for a long time and I still kind of keep it close to my heart I have a very corny one and very commercial one uh, so I, I try to live by by sneaker mottos and actually two of two of the, two of the <laughs> selling lines so 
uh, Adidas Impossible is not, nothing and Nike is just do it. Uh, it's really what, what, what I try to, whenever I don't feel like doing something or I feel, uh, you know, I, I feel the size of the challenge, I, I just, you know, I just remind myself those 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 wise words of of uh, of sneaker marketeers. Uh, but but the, but the, <laughs> the other important, I, I think in one of the postcards you actually relate to to that one. One of the things that I'm I, I strongly believe there is there is there is one uh, motto, ad age, or, or a rule that I disagree with, and, and and I approach a bit differently the the golden rule about treating people the the way you want to be treated, which I I think was one of the biggest personal insights when I realized that this is not true and not helpful. Um, so I, I, I really try to live to by, by, by the rule to, to treat people the way they want to be treated versus the way I want to be treated. It's a small, small difference, but I, I think so many issues uh, in, in life and work uh, comes from, from, from us projecting ourselves onto others versus really being... Uh, Empathetic. I at the beginning of my career, I treated people the way I wanted. I wanted to be treated, and that really didn't work out <laughs> because <laughs> because not everyone is like me. Actually, no one is like anyone else. So so you know, to give you one 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 small example, you know, I don't like to be praised. I don't like. I don't need to be given credit for something when I do something right. So so when I was a very young manager, I didn't do it. Often enough, I didn't praise my people. I was proud of them. I was really happy with them. But because I didn't, you know, I never felt comfortable being, you know, recognized. I didn't do it for others. And then someone, someone uh, wise, uh, one, one of my, one of my, 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 my early bosses told me, it's like, you cannot do that. Because it's, you know, you cannot assume that people operate like you. You cannot assume that people think and feel like, like you, which is obvious. It should be obvious for, 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 for a market research person, but it really, it really changed my life. So, so now I really, I really spend a lot of time um, trying to be empathetic, understand what people want, how they want to be treated and, and treat people with, with, of course, with the respect and, of course, not doing them something that I wouldn't like to, to be done to me, but not just having, you know, one-size-fits-all uh, approach to everybody, but really trying to treat them the way they want to be treated. So every time I, 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 I hear the golden rule being repeated, I, I, I kind of cringe because it's, it's close, but no cigar. It's, it's, it's helpful. It's better. It's better to mm -hmm. treat people the way you want to be treated, <laughs> but it doesn't really, that doesn't, it's, it's, it doesn't go far enough. My guest today has been Piotr Shimsky, Vice President of Catalog and Business Intelligence at Sony Music. Thank you so much, Piat, for joining me today on the Happy Market Research Podcast. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. We'll work later on the renaming of it. Thank you, everybody else who has taken time out of your day to tune into this episode. If you found value in it as much as I did, I hope you'll take 10 seconds screenshot and another couple minutes just to share it on social media. Have a wonderful rest of your day. This episode is brought to you by Hub UX. Hub UX is a productivity tool for qualitative research. It creates a seamless workflow across your tools and team. Originally came up with the idea as I was listening to research professionals in both the quant and qual space complain about and, the, and articulate the pain, I guess more succinctly, around managing qualitative research. 
the one big problem with qualitative is it's synchronous in nature and it requires 100% of the attention of the respondent. This creates a big barrier and I believe a tremendous opportunity inside of the marketplace. So what we do is we take the tools that you use, we integrate them into a workflow so that ultimately you enter in your project details, that is who it is that you want to talk to and when you want to talk to them, whether it's a focus group in person or virtual or IDIs or ethnos, and we connect you to those right people in the times that you want to have those conversations or connections. Push button qualitative insights. Hub UX, if you have any questions, reach out to me directly. I would appreciate it. Jamin at hubux.com. Have a great rest of your day.